Welcome to Critical Issues Commentary, the podcast ministry of Gospel of Grace Fellowship, a non-denominational Christian church in St. Louis Park, Minnesota. This is Jessica Kramis, your host for today, and I'm speaking with Bob DeWay, Gospel of Grace's teacher and theologian and author of Critical Issues Commentary. In this series, we are discussing CIC issue number 48, The Dishonoring of God in Popular Spiritual Warfare Teaching. You can find that at the website CICministry.org. Last week, we asked a two-part question. The, The question was, why are there still problems, according to the false spiritual warfare teachers, And we answered that. We'll give a little recap in a minute. Today, we're going to ask, according to the providential worldview, why are there still problems? So you just want to give us a little recap of what the false spiritual warfare teachers are saying, and then we'll talk about the providential worldview. Right. Well, they're claiming that the problems are because we haven't got enough apostles and prophets and power and learned how to take control of the heavenlies. Okay. And that uh, we have to uh, defeat Satan, defeat demons, and quit fumbling the ball and giving it back to Satan. And we talked about that. And also they, of course, have no, such a uh, feeble understanding of scripture and what God God's sovereignty is about. Right. And we use the incident of Nineveh and Jonah to refute their whole worldview. Yes. Okay. So their view is God can't get anything done unless certain people cooperate with him. Okay. And we proved from Jonah that, well, God got a lot done and Jonah only cooperated because he had to. Exactly. He wasn't exactly. So his whole heart was not in that. No, he, he didn't even want to do it. He just knew. God was sending him there, he's going to show mercy. Uh, and he said later, oh, I knew this was going to happen. That's why I ran away. Yes. So I think if we had the whole counsel of God, we'd never would listen to these false teachers. But let me cite a little bit here uh, uh, from the article, issue 48, which I wrote back in 1998. But now, false teachings are getting recycled by a new generation same errors, same lies, but people are still listening to it. Their new ones are, whatever it yes. is. So their claim is that once we are in charge of the heavenlies, uh, then I suppose Satan will have to ask us permission rather than God. Oh, wow. That's a bold claim. Yeah, right. Like, uh, remember Jesus said Satan has demanded permission to sift you like wheat? Right. Well, he said that just, and that was to Peter. <laughs> Peter, exactly. Yes. Now, here's the other view and the one that I'm making here. Okay. Whatever God's providence allows Satan and his evil cohorts to do will only lead to the benefit of God's people and the glory of God's immutable purposes. And Amen. That reference Romans 8, 28 to 39. All right, I'll just quick read that. 
And we know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to become conformed to the image of his son, so that he would be the firstborn among many brethren. Right. So God is going to work out his purposes. It's interesting. I've heard got a few phone calls lately from people I knew in the 70s and 80s. Okay. And, you know, sometimes they've had some good teaching, but mostly not. They've been very confused because the that whole idea that we were part of didn't go anywhere, and now they don't know what to believe. Right. I've told some people, just read. Get out your Bible. Read Romans 8, 28 to 39, all the way to the end of the chapter. Right. And see if it gives comfort to people who trust God. It should. That's the purpose for Paul writing it, to comfort God's people. Yes. God's elect. But the false teachers claim there really aren't any of God's elect. We elect ourselves. They have that wrong. And then they say, if you got a bad outcome, it's always your own fault. You didn't do it right. And they don't even have, they can't even compute with Romans 8. It just doesn't make sense to them. Right. They're confused and they think they did things wrong. And this kind of teaching just leads up to a lot of harm. And we're trying to help people understand what God said. Okay. Now so they, now looking at this passage, if we're in the midst of a trial, we're having problems, we're going through hard times. What do we need to do? Well, we need to believe the promises of God, make our requests known to God in prayer. We have direct access to God, uh, excuse me, Hebrews 4.16. And even prayer, as we will be talking about later, they twist to make it us-centric rather than God-centric. Yes. And so that even prayer doesn't work as far as they're concerned because we didn't do it right. Right. So we're hoping in ourselves, we're hoping in some prophets, or we're hoping in gaining better knowledge, manipulating the heavenlies. There's all these things that have to happen or it keeps going wrong. Right. That's not the point. Now, some of you who watch this podcast or the YouTube videos, We'll just lay that out there. Just read that whole section. Jessica read one verse, but read the whole section. Romans 8, 28 to 39. Yes. And it, it comforts us. Who will bring a charge against God's elect? Who will separate us? And then list everything possible. And in that list is principalities. Yes. You know. <laughs> Things in heaven, things on earth, everything. Just yes. Now, I don't see any of these false teachers even reference the passage. Now, a few people that are a little more serious about theology do. And so when I reference that to them, they say, oh, yeah, but there's something in there that you missed. It doesn't say that our own human will won't separate us from the love of God. That's what I've been told by people. I've heard that one, too. Okay. I always say my will is a created thing. That's what I say, too. Okay, <laughs> so you say 
that your human will is a created thing, because that's in that passage, or any created thing. Yes. So it's pointing us to the creator, not the created. Now, why do they cling to the created? Why do they think, well, we need to take authority. We need to take power. We need to control the heavenlies. Our own will needs to rise up and do something because otherwise we don't get it right and everything goes bad. Why do they just have a need to be in control of everything? Do they want to save God from the embarrassment of having a creation that is not bringing glory to him? Well, as a matter of fact, God is glorified, will be glorified, and he chooses to allow history to go on so that the gospel can be preached, so that people can be delivered from the domain of darkness, transferred into the kingdom of his beloved son, as we say over and over again, Colossians 1, 13 and 14. And our job is to preach the gospel and to pray. That's right. And often trials end up resulting in the furtherance of the gospel. And Paul, who wrote this passage, I mean, how many things he was shipwrecked, beaten, stoned, arrested, imprisoned, any, anything imaginable happened to Paul. But he tells us God's working it all for good. And we can just reading through the New Testament, see how God providentially allowed all of these things that happened in Paul's life to spread the gospel all throughout Asia Minor and into Rome and and even giving us his epistles, epistles that were written because he was providentially hindered from visiting that church. Or, yeah, or in prison. Look at Philippians. Yes. The passage there, and I preached through Philippians some many, many years ago. But there's a passage that says, my circumstances have turned out for the furtherance of the gospel. Yes. And so that was what it was about. So if uh, some of these teachers are just totally deceived and are harming the flock continually. Maybe there are some that just don't know any better. But I would like to know from the false teachers why they believe that people believing the truth, turning to Christ, trusting Christ, praying to God, believing his promises, and following the means of grace provided in the Bible is pathetic, insufficient, never going to do any good. It's just going to leave us stupid people harmed. It's really a failure of faith. We can rest and we can trust in God's providential ordering of our lives and we can pray and we can sit under the means of grace and we can do all those things by faith. When we aren't walking by faith, then we feel like we have to go do something to manipulate the outcome of whatever event. Well, they twist certain scriptures like my people destroyed for lack of knowledge. And then they say, well, the knowledge you need is details about the taxonomy of the heavenly spirits, what their names are, their order and so on, which really isn't provided in the New Testament. Well, there are a few little glimpses such things exist. Yes. And there's always something. It's knowledge, it's techniques, it's piety. There's always something we didn't get right. And that's not the point of the New Testament, that it all depends on us. 
and that God's not going to take care of his own people because we didn't do something right. Right. Okay. And I've written, I don't know how many articles, if you count the smaller ones, but well over 150 articles in different categories, scholarly, worldview, and then all these sermons laying this out. And then another air pops up. And we write another article, another air pops up. Now they're recycling. This is from 98. It's all being recycled. It is. Okay. So, by the way, while we're talking about this, we've been bringing up the idea that we need to go take control over the heavenlies and tell yes. angels and demons what to do or not to do. And I preached a sermon on that, and I looked it up. So if you want to find that, it's about the divine council and how Jude and Second Peter 2, and then we the, the sermons on Ephesians 6.13 about the armor of God. But I cover all of this. Okay. And it shows there that intruding into God's realm, he has a council, and even Satan goes there, Job 1.6 and elsewhere. Yes. And he's not cast down until God does later, the end of Revelation. But I cover all this. And Jude and Peter called this serious, blasphemous, false teaching. Right. And these false teachers have no shame. They don't know how to blush. There's no claim so grandiose and self-exalting that they won't make it. They're okay. so full of themselves. I've heard them. I've met them. I've tried to correct them. Listen, dear saints, the boasters, the braggarts, the hotshots, the, the people who claim they're the apostles and prophets. They're the new Elijah. They're the ones who are going to do it. They've been around and come and gone for the entire church age, and they all failed. Yes. Every claim I've heard since the early 70s from the modern apostles and prophets has proven false. They failed. They failed. They failed. Why? Why do I say they failed? Because they were going to uh, take control of everything, turn America into the new kingdom of God, restore what was lost in the book of Acts and have greater miracles than Jesus ever did. Nobody's done that. And we've written about it, contended for the faith. They keep making the claims. So, so dear uh, listeners and those who are watching on YouTube, here's a simple way to save yourself a lot of sorrow, a lot of fear, and a lot of confusion. Don't listen to the false teachers. Amen. And if they can explain to you what Romans 8, 28 through 39 means in their scheme of things, I'd be interested to hear what that is. Yes. So now there's another verse that they twist and misuse yeah. to show that, according to them, we need to rule over the heavenlies. And the one that you mentioned in your article is Ephesians 1, 22 and 23. Right. I will read that and then let's discuss how they misuse that. So Ephesians 1, 22 and 23 and he put all things in subjection under his feet, and he gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him 
who fills all in all. Right. Okay, so he gave him as head over all things to the church. So did it say he gave the church as head over the demons? No. It, it doesn't no. mean what they say it means. No, so he, God, gave him, who's him? Christ, Christ. as head over all things, yeah, all things to the church. All right? Now, Christ is the head of the church. Yes. Now, all things, often the Greek, uh, their tapanta is used in a very um, broad sense. Usually it is. Okay. And some people like to limit that because they don't like God being in charge of his own creation. But just go look up all things throughout the New Testament and see the context. Yes. But they twist it around. And the yeah. Dominion theology teaching, the New Apostolic Reformation teachers, and other false teachers, like this John Dawson and people that I, uh, Ed Savoso, I, I cited here, Dawson. There's a bunch of these people with various degrees of heresy, but they're saying the same thing. God's dependent on man. Right. And um, there's so many versions of this. Somebody wrote a book called Held in the Heavens Until. So okay. is Christ held in the heavens? Because we can't get it right. Oh, no. Okay, so rather than God being in charge, he's waiting for us to get our act together. So um, let me just quote what I wrote about um, how they twist that and what the Bible actually means. Okay. Back in 1998, the assumption is that he gave the church as head over all things, that as his body, we are to exercise authority over all things. However, the passage does not state that he gave headship over all things to the church, but he gave him as head over all things to the church. There's a huge difference, they wrote. Yes. We have received Christ, not headship. And a simple reading of that passage makes it clear. Grammatically, it can't be any other way. Yes, and if you want details, including, I remember when I preached on this a few years ago, I looked up the Greek and translated out of the Greek and look at all the different ways of understanding it, and I preached on it. But it never says that the church is head over all things or that we have to become head over all things. Right. I wrote this. Our security is in Christ and his benevolent rule over his own creation, not our supposed rule in his stead. Amen. He oh. has complete authority. He yeah. hasn't given it up to anyone. He's not dependent on us, though we do get to cooperate. We do get to pray. We do get to preach the gospel. Well, He's not dependent on us. We're commanded to do so. Yes. To believe his promises. And God is calling all persons everywhere to repent and turn to Christ. Right. And he, he chooses to send out people, preachers, all Christians to be his witnesses. Yes. But they think, well, that's, that's not going to get it done. We need to actually rule things, but we're not capable of it. Right. Now, 
I said this, Dominion's spiritual warfare teachers think God is at the mercy of the church. Oh, no. And I say, and I think this is proven by their false teachings. They teach a vulnerable God, severely limited in his oversight of his own creation. Yes. For those I'm mentioning here is this Ed Silvoso. Silvoso teaches that the church has the power to turn the earth and the heavenly places over to Satan. That's right. You've got a quote here of his. Yeah. Go ahead. Do you have it in front of you? Yep, I have it in front of me. Satan's only option is to try to deceive the church, God's agent on earth, into yielding to him what has been entrusted to her care by God, much like he did to Eve and then to Adam in the garden. Right. So this is so wrong. Um, how did God draw out the boundaries of the nations, according to Acts 17? Yeah, well, God himself drew out the boundaries of That's the nations. And then there's also, uh, now right now, because... I got an email and several of them saying, well, why do we have so many evil leaders? And my response was, well, evil leaders, evil human leaders have been the case throughout history and particularly church history. Yes. Uh, from Pentecost and history goes on. And this idea that, well, the, the way to make it different is for the church to take dominion over the world instead of Christian leaders. But when that happened, supposedly, because Roman, the Roman Catholic idea included that. Yes. Well, there were all these wars. But what happened when they took control over nations and ruled them in the name of Christ? Bloodshed. Oh, not only that, just horrible atrocities done in the name of Christ. Yes. My own ancestors um, had to flee from, some of them fled from France because they were Protestants. And at some point, uh, some hundreds of years ago, uh, the Roman Catholic Church took over France and kicked out anybody who wouldn't submit to Rome. Right. Well, this is what goes on. And yeah. what do they do? Well, they cry out to God. They trust the promises. In that case, they moved over to um, the Netherlands, where it was more welcoming to people who didn't submit to Rome. Yes. But sometimes Reformed or Lutheran try to take over nations. Yeah, that's true. And then you end up with problems as well. And it's all based on a false understanding of the role of the church in the world. Right. And even those situations can end up just leading to the spread of the gospel because people people leave the persecution and they bring the gospel with them wherever they go. Right. Now, the, and I understand that church history is complex and there's a lot of really bad stuff and there's some good things. But we have to go back to Scripture to find out what the Great Commission is, what our role is, what God's promises are. Yeah, what's going to happen, and what how the church is defined, how the word of God is our inherent, inspired uh, message from God. The whole counsel of God's important. Acts twenty emphasized that, 
and we need to get a biblical worldview. Right. But if you start from the idea that Satan had dominion when Adam gave it to him, Jesus wrestled it back from him, had to go into hell and physically wrestle as a mere man and fight Satan. Then he comes out with it. And then he has the Great Commission, which is this whole dominion scheme, hands authority over to the church. And then the church fumbled it away. Yeah. And now Latter-day Apostles and Prophets with the Elijah spirit are coming to take it all back. And when they right. get it all right and they do it, they're going to hand it to Jesus. Jesus isn't going to defeat anybody. They're going to do it. Wow. And so I've written about that. Uh, the gospel is just lost in all of this. Right. And, you know, swinging back to the problem of evil rulers, we're all sinners. Any human in a government is going to have the potential for sin. But when Paul was called in front of the rulers, he preached the gospel. Right. And he, and he appealed. And that's another topic. I just sent a whole bunch of verses to somebody who was asking me about this. Yeah. Just look at everything the New Testament says about it. Right. Yeah, he appealed to his Roman citizenship. Right. We can do that. Yeah. We can over, use our rights in America to try and correct our government. We can debate ideas. Yes. And we have access to the throne of grace. Yes. But if you get prayer wrong, which these teachers do, then even that uh, gets twisted. Right. And they think God won't answer our prayer unless we figure out how to control these spirits over the different territories. So we want to take the role that God preserves for himself, which is to rule over his own divine counsel. Yes. Intrude in there and take charge of it. Right. Intruders. Yes, oh. <laughs> we we can just re we we can just trust that the rulers that God has put over anyone right now are there for His purposes, and His purposes for us are good, even if that means we're living under wicked dictators. Or I mean, we're not fortunately living under dictators right now. Other parts of the world have it much worse than we do. Right, but we're very concerned about. Uh, our country right now, right. but God's still in control of it. We can rebuke those who call good evil and evil good in the yes. sense of clarifying what is truly right. Right. But to think that we can control the heavenly realm and then having done that, create the kingdom of God on earth without Christ here is absurd. Now, I found a quote here, and then I quote a person, something I say, I think I'll put a good wrap on this session. Okay. So this is um, after some of these other quotes we did. I said, I said this in this article. We ought not to consider God vulnerable and limited, even in the context of our God-given responsibility to preach the gospel. So God will raise up people to preach the gospel. A lot of people who should be are more interested in 
taking dominion and ruling rather than preaching Christ. Right. Okay, so here's what this Ed Silvoso wrote about this. Okay. I'm going to quote him. I quote him in my article. Quote, prayer operates in the realm of God's self-imposed limitations. These are areas where God, for reasons unknown to us, chose to limit his options and consequently his freedom of action, unquote. Then wow. I quote another guy. I, I, I think the footnote is to John Dawson. Yes. Okay. Another spiritual warfare author says, quote, how vulnerable God has made himself to us. Wow. Is, is there any scripture that they can possibly use to try and they twist make and that twist. claim? They pull some out of context and they make this picture, this big scheme. Yeah. And everything has to fit into their scheme. Okay. And you can do that by ignoring all the passages that teach the opposite and then shoehorning what verses you want into the scheme that you created by taking some things out of context. Okay. And they're just, they're, they're dominionist um, Latter-day Apostles, New Apostolic Reformation, whatever group they're in. That is their view. Yes. And then everything has to fit into that. Uh, but I want to close with what I stated. And then I think next time we want to talk about this Jezebel spirit. Let's go back to uh, <laughs> prominence. Yes. Man, Coming can, right back around. Yeah, you can predict what heresy is going to come out by seeing what was the big heresy 40 years ago. And then it pops up again. Right. Time for a new generation. Yeah. New generation of people who haven't been deceived yet, but they're going to get to them. Okay. But let me just close with this. Okay. Statement in my article. Never does God call us to be cosmic rulers or masters of a universe from which he has backed off and left us or else the devil in charge. Right. That's wow. what I state in my article. And I stand by that. I wrote that in 1998. I believe that since then I've spent all of the intervening years studying the Greek, teaching the Bible verse by verse. I don't see anything that contravenes that statement. Yes. God never relinquishes his sovereign rule over his own universe. All right. We are out of time for this edition of Critical Issues Commentary Radio. You can access this episode and many others, as well as years worth of articles at the website, cicministry.org. And while you're there, click on contact and send us a message. We'd love to hear from you. We want to encourage you all to stand firm in one spirit with one mind and strive together for the faith of the gospel. For Critical Issues Commentary, this is Jessica Kramis. And Bob Dewey. We'll see you next week.